0: As a pastoral counselor, I am always looking for ways to communicate the glorious good news of the gospel to my clients. And while we are dealing with issues of marital problems, uh, children uh, or work or health problems, financial problems, whatever those things are, whatever the um, identifying issues that bring people into our counseling office, in the final analysis, the, the solution is in the gospel. And that's not a naive statement. In fact, uh, over the years, as my studies have revealed more and more and more and more, how astonishing it and how practical is biblical theology in restoring us to sanity, to taking our wayward ways and bringing us back into the line of, line with God's will, and helping us find wholeness in that. So, our counseling office is very committed to communicating. The glories of the gospel of grace. Now, that shouldn't be a, a, a big wonder uh, if you consider yourself a Christian counselor. That should be what you're doing. But, but unfortunately, most of what calls itself Christian counseling these days is is more secular therapy with a little bit of Christian ease tossed in from time to time. But what I want to share with you today is the nature of election. And how you can know, because that's something we talk about a lot, by what basis are you in Christ? And if you think somehow, some way, you are in Christ because of something you contributed to the finished work of Christ, even something as um, limited as your faith, then you're already in trouble. What I want for you is to understand the glorious nature of sovereign grace and, and the unconditional nature of election. Every other world religion is incredibly conditional. And they paint an image of God as someone who, out of his divine kindness, provides a conditional pathway for you to find nirvana or some other eastern um, illumination or if they cloak it in christianity justification at some time in the future if you do all the right things but that's not biblical christianity and i, I hope i wish i pray that the spirit will illuminate your mind to understand the glories and the healing that comes when you grasp the fact that your election into Christ and the predestination is not just some kind of abstract doctrine out there, but that it's a predestining unto the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. When you can grasp the unconditional nature of that, And then the glories of being a child of God who shares the Father's relationship with Jesus with you. That's what it means, by the way, is that the Father has viewed you in his Son as he views his Son. So, well, let me just read the text. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 because it says it far better than I can. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 6 I'm going to read this these verses and then I'm going to talk to you about how you can know how you can know you're among the elect okay now that's a pretty deal, big deal in fact I, I think assurance is the biggest question anyone has most every, other, every Christian I can talk to says how do I know How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm among the elect? Well, I'm going to give you a pointer on that. I'm going to give you some information that will help you come to some peace and rest and assurance on that point itself. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There you go. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just God, not just God the Father, but the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's a... Christianity, at its essence, is a a relational faith. It's not a philosophy. It's not a um, point of um, speculation. It is relational. Everything that is about the gospel points us into relationship with God, with the Trinitarian God, and with each other. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, There's the context. Who has blessed us with every, not some, not few, he didn't just eke it out, but with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him, that is, in Christ. So there you go. You were chosen with the context of being in him, before the foundation of the world. Now, let me just pause there for a moment. There is an impulse within the natural mind that insists upon merit. I cannot relate to God wholly upon grace. I must, and in, I, I insist that I have some merit to bring to the table. The natural mind insists that I cannot be in Christ based upon, holy upon grace. Surely I must have made some contribution. And some people say, well, yeah, that was my faith. Well, see how insidious that is? Others would say, well, um, God looked down the corridors of time And he saw that I would believe, and so he elected me based upon that foreknowledge. Folks, that is not biblical. The point that Paul's making here is that, and he couldn't say it more clearly, before the foundation of the world, meaning that before you ever came into existence, surely God foreknew you, but it wasn't because of anything in you, good or bad that he predestined you. It was based solely upon his good pleasure, to the praise and the glory of his grace, not because of anything in you, but that teaching that tries to, to give electing grace a haircut, if you will, by putting it back on the merit, so that God predestines based upon my merit, I'm so lovable, or because I'm so good, or I'm so predisposed to believe, so God elects me based upon something that is good and worthy in me. That's how insidious merit is. Now, the problem with trying to merit grace is that it's a a statement in contradiction. You don't merit grace, else it's not grace. Okay, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, with a purpose. And that purpose is that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. There are those who protest that, well, if you believe you're elected to salvation then you have no motivation to be holy you have no motivation to to do good works you have no motivation to be a to be a, a good church member you just you just rest and sit back put your feet up and say oh, I'm predestined it's all good well that again that's a mockery of the biblical truth. the fact is, God's electing grace is not without purpose and context. The context as he elects us in and through Jesus Christ. And with purpose. And the purpose is, is that we will be holy and blameless in him. Before him. In love. That's our positional status now. Think of that. You are holy and blameless before him. Even this moment. And while it's true that we haven't yet fully realized that in our character or in our actions or in our behavior, and many of us have fallen way short of that in our behavior, it is nonetheless the great reality, the great transcendent reality is that you have been chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ to be holy and blameless before God in love. Verse 5 by predestining us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So that means everything that the Father is to the Son, and that the Son is to the Father, is yours because you are in the Son. The Christian faith, at its essence, is relational. It's not political, it's not philosophical, it's not a system of merit. The Christian faith is the glorious truth that God the Father has elected you to be his child within the model and image of Jesus Christ. So that everything that Jesus is to the Father, you are as well. And he did so, it says in verse 5, on the basis of his good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will, not your will, the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he graciously, lavishly bestowed on us in the Beloved. Now, the question comes up often, well, how do I know that I'm among the elect? Well, there are some things that we can't know. In fact, Deuteronomy 29.29 says that uh, the secret things belong to Yahweh, our God. There are some things that God reserves to himself, and we simply don't know, and we shouldn't try to know. On the other hand, the balance of that verse in Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may do all the words of this law. There are things that God reserves to himself, and there are things that he has revealed, and we should claim those as our own. Those things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, our children forever. And part of that is how we can know, we can know that we are among the elect. Despite the Council of Trent, the Roman Catholic Council that said it's a sin of presumption to want to know, <laughs> the Bible contradicts that, and says no, to Rome. Peter said that we should, we should seek out and pursue the knowledge and the, the confirmation of our election. Let's look at Matthew five, however, because there I'm going to give you some characteristics, that, and please hear me now some characteristics that are from one degree or another present in the mind, heart, and will of every person who is elected to saving grace if they are present in Christ. Now, there are people, let me say emphatically, there are people who are, in fact, elected to saving grace who have yet to come to Christ. So, of course, these things aren't going to be present in them. But those of you who are in Christ now, those of you who confess Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on your behalf, these characteristics are going to be yours in one degree or another. Smaller or greater, depending on your maturity and your time in Christ and the teaching that you're getting. The first one is a poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is to say, those who are not spiritually arrogant. The first thing that the doctrine of election does is it crucifies, it puts the death, it mortifies in the human mind and will, uh, Luciferic pride. There is no basis for arrogance or pride. We can't thump our chest and claim, well, God elected me and not somebody else. Well that may be true. But it isn't because of anything in you. It's everything to do with grace. Beginning to end. So blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the that's a paradox, isn't it? We are made rich in Christ, and yet we understand that we have no basis for arrogance. We have no basis for pride. In fact, the doctrine of election truly. Biblically understood, is a very humbling doctrine. We don't have to be pride, prideful. We don't have to be arrogant. We can let go of those old ways of thinking. We can take our humble place before God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So not only you're not arrogant. You recognize that you're all, in yourself you have a poverty of spirit. You also realize that that. You're still struggling with sin, you recognize the it's like they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, "The sober I get, the sicker I was." The more you become like Jesus, the more you realize also how much you're not. And that forces you to cling to Him for comfort and find, and that is where you find your comfort. God is at work in you both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. And that work that he's doing in you is an ever-increasing conformity to the image of his Son. And as that process is going on, you are enjoying the benefit and the glories and the wonders and the, and the wholeness that comes as we become more like Jesus. But we're also aware of our past sins. Uh, Ezekiel 36 tells us that we will loathe our own ways, that the new covenant, when we understand its unilateral nature and the mercy that we've been given and how precious Jesus Christ is to us, we will come to loathe our own ways. We will not, not only will we not try to integrate that into God's plan, we will re, re, be repulsed by our own ways. We will mourn our former sins and our current sins. Sin will become a point of mourning for us, but we will find also our comfort if the Spirit comforts us, strengthens us, encourages us in Christ. So you're not arrogant, and you learn to mourn for your sins and find the comfort, not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Blessed are the lowly, the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth, God has promised that his people will have a new heaven and a new earth. We'll have a glorious future ahead of us. And it's it's for a meek people, a humble people, a lowly people. You get the point here. There's a theme, isn't there? There's nothing about pride within the biblical witness to the Christian faith. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, We're never understanding the, the Christian faith as being a one-and-done event. I had a mother tell me once she was pleading with her son to to pursue Christ and to walk with Christ and and to uh, study the scriptures and pray and, and come to church with them as a family. And the son said, No, 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 Mom. I prayed the prayer at the crusade. I'm in. I'm good. My ticket's punched. I'm okay. That the young man has no basis for confidence that he's among the elect. Faith is not a one-and-done thing. Of course, it's an event. It's something that happens at point at some point, but it produces in you not a complacency, but a hunger and a thirst. The more of the righteousness of your of of Christ that you experience in your own thinking and and heart and mind and will and actions, the more you desire hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here's the promise, you will be satisfied. Do you feel hungry and thirst for more of Christ's righteousness in your life to be realized? Here's your promise, you will be satisfied. Both now and when Christ, your redemption, Christ returns and your redemption is fully realized. Okay, let's hurry along here. Blessed are the merciful. Once you understand the mercy you've been shown, you are more likely to be merciful to others. Those who hold resentments towards others have yet to understand how, what an object of mercy they are themselves. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks a lot about how he wants Christ. In all his religious credentials, he counts as being garbage or rubbish or dung, as the old King James says. There's a purity of heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven one and 2, uh, Paul calls the Corinthians to, to cling to their the simplicity and purity of their devotion to Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart simply means that we have a Devotion and a passion for Christ himself and if necessary to the loss of everything else. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Listen, this, this Christian activism either on the left or the right that likes to protest, that likes to call names, that likes to th- make threats, loud, obnoxious, name-calling uh, people who hate government, people who hate authority, and yet claim, you know, so-and-so is my president and Christ is my Lord. You know, this this is nonsense. This is nonsensical. This, this antagonism towards authority, this antagonism towards others, this propensity to be in in some place where you think that you have the right to call other people names and and even send them to hell in your language. That's not the character of the elect. The elect know that they are at peace with God because of a, a grace that is beyond measure, beyond understanding. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You look to wait for ways to make peace, to bring people together. Now, I'm not talking about being tolerant of false teaching and immoral and, and, and decadence and that kind of thing. No, I'm just, talking. you're looking for ways to share the peace of God with others. Even your unbelieving friends and neighbors, you want them to know the peace of God. You wanna be at peace with them. As much as lies within you, we should be at peace with others. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because of who? Because of Jesus, not because of you. And If you're being obnoxious, you're going to get persecuted. If you're being uh, a thief or a criminal, you're going to get arrested. That's not persecution. No. Because of me, he said, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen, when you stand with God the Father in the Son through the Spirit, and you are Sharing and you're continually progressively displaying the character of Christ in your own life, you're going to stand out, and as you stand out, the world's going to hate you just like it hated Jesus, but that is something that we should not see as a threat but as a blessing It's a further assurance that you belong to him and not to the world. So let me close with one last text in first John three. Verses 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has given to us, that we would be called children of God, and we are. And we are. See, Rome would say that's a sin of presumption. But the Bible says, no, you can know, and you can be confident, and you can see how great the love the Father has bestowed upon you that you should be called children of God, and we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been manifested as what we will be. It has not been manifested as yet what we will be. We know that when he is manifested, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. Now listen to verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What I want for you is to understand the precious blessing of knowing you are a child of God. Not based upon anything you've done, not based upon any good works that you have performed, but because of God's gracious election of you to be in his Son, to share his fellowship, we can say that Jesus came to share his relationship with the Father with you. So, those who aren't spiritually arrogant, those who are mourning sin, those who are lowly, meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, not rioters, Blessed are those who have been persecuted. These are the characteristics of those who are elected. Now remember, you don't have to have these things in large degrees to have the assurance that you're among the elect. But they will be present. Even even a a flicker, a flame, to to the smallest degree will be your assurance. And of course, then, we want to fan that flame. We want to bring that into a bonfire so that these characteristics are in, uh, in wonderful display in our daily life, and thought, word, and deed. Well, I hope that's helpful. I want this for you. I want you to know, especially if you are in recovery from trauma, family trauma, codependence, active addiction, this is the basis of your recovery, You have been translated from the domain of Satan into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And that happened on the basis of grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. God has purchased you. You are his possession. And the Spirit has sealed you for a salvation yet to be fully realized. But each and every day, you become more like Jesus. Not as much... Uh, more than you were yesterday, but not as much as you will be tomorrow. There is your promise. There is your hope. There is your future. Amen.